0: of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground
1: welcome to the mystical underground thank you for joining us this is rob mcgregor and trish mcgregor and our tech magician producer john posey you can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular posts and where you can find out about our books Our most recent nonfiction book is Phenomena Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. Trisha's latest novel is Skin Shifters. And my latest novel is Tulpas, which is now available as an audiobook as well as in print and digital.
2: Our guest today is author and clairvoyant Penny Pierce. She's an empath, visionary author, Mm -hmm. as I said, and popular lecturer and trainer. For well over 30 years, she has taught and counseled thousands of people internationally in all walks of life. She's one of the early pioneers in the intuition development movement, specializing in expanded perception, inner energy dynamics, dream work, and transformation. She helps leaders, professionals, artists, and those on a spiritual path discover the hidden dynamics of what makes for true success. Penny is the author of 10 books, including Transparency, Leap of Perception, Frequency, and The Intuitive Way. She lives in Florida. Her website is www.
3: PennyPierce.com. Welcome, Penny. Welcome. (laughs) Well, thank you for inviting me. Well, I
2: read your book, Frequency, The Power of Personal Vibration, shortly after it was published in 2009. And the beauty of that book, I think, is it's still relevant 11 years later and will still be relevant decades from now because everything is vibration. The premise of frequency is that our personal vibration, the frequency of energy we hold moment to moment in our bodies, emotions, and minds, is the most important tool for creating and living our ideal life.
1: Yeah, Penny. When you were growing up, um, when did you realize that you had psychic abilities? How did that uh, develop for you?
3: Well, I had no idea. <laughs> and, uh, it, <laughs> it, I had a regular kind of normal childhood of in the Midwest, growing up with dogs and horses, and <laughs> part time on a farm. And uh, but I was always a very artistic and drew a lot and wrote a lot. And um, even like when I was little, I wrote poems and stuff. But, um, but uh, as I, like high school and college, I started reading a lot about the mysteries and I started getting really, really fascinated with psychic abilities and, you know, all that stuff just seemed so real to me.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, And it just grew, you know, one thing led to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And I, um, Oh, I had readings from people over the years, and I studied even with Hans Holzer in New York when I was there, the ghost hunter, you know? Yeah, 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 I love his stuff. I just had all these little experiences that fed in, like puzzle pieces maybe. But when I got to California, especially Northern California, that is when it occurred to me that you could study to be a clairvoyant. (laughs) I was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I was a, a designer, <laughs> you know, corporate art director at that time, and so I was using my intuition and visualis- visualization, you know, skills anyway in my work. So it wasn't a big leap to get to um, that clairvoyance was a matter of working with your imagination and getting images. Um, and as soon as I started studying that, boy, that clicked me into gear and i knew i was people say what do you what what do you do and i say well i'm a graphic designer but then i go but not really you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know like i'm just doing that temporarily but as soon as i got into the whole metaphysics and understanding about character reading and going deeper underneath the surface of things to find the energy reality oh boy i knew that was what i was going to do and then mm. it just kept going. I ended up working with the the Center for Applied Intuition in San Francisco and working with, um, they had a thing called intuitive consensus where they had a team of intuitives mm. do yeah. readings on a set of questions, everybody That's separately. Cool. Then they'd put them all together and get the common elements and create a report. Yeah. It was often for corporations in the Silicon Valley and stuff like yeah. that and um, and then uh, because of that, a group of Japanese businessmen hired us, and then I ended up going to Japan, which then lasted, I think I was going every year, sometimes twice a year for over 20 years. Wow.
1: What years were those?
3: Uh, 80, like, early 80s to uh-huh. <laughs> mid, I don't know, when was it? Even 2005. I don't know how long that uh-huh. was, but um, yeah. And yeah. so, it's, but What did you do for them? I did uh, trainings and readings. Huh,
2: that's uh, really cool.
3: Very, it's yeah, interesting very interesting. And we did some work with companies, uh, but largely it was the general public. Hmm. But yeah, it's you know it's so interesting. I guess when you're on the right path, it kind of opens in front uh-huh. of you, and yeah. things just start flowing.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned that you could found out that you could study clairvoyance. And in fact, that's what the army and the CIA also got involved in, in the uh, late 70s and 80s. Uh, But they used a different name, remote viewing, which is
4: apparently
1: the same. Very
3: different, uh, different uh, methodologies. Uh But, um, you know, what we did a lot was we worked a lot with visualization of the chakras and the body and aligning and clearing and opening and balancing. And then I kind of trained myself by doing a lot of direct writing or I would always kept a journal, so I would ask myself questions, and then I would answer them from mm. this other part of me, mm. and and just write, 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 write. And I would get these really interesting answers that I, you know, and it was like a different, it wasn't like channeling, mm. but it was um, like if you looked at something straight on, and then you looked at it from three degrees to the right or left, uh-huh. you'd get like different angle on things. Uh, and it was uh. very interesting, like a different point of view. Hmm. So I, I, I think that's part of what I do is I reframe things slightly from the, the typical view and try to explain it more uh, simply, possibly. Hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah.
2: I, do you speak Japanese?
3: No, no. Oh, was okay. I was, interpreters.
2: <laughs> I was wondering. So how did that work when you did... Cl- I mean, did, did the Japanese you read for
3: speak English? No, we had interpreters, oh, okay. translators, That's interesting. which was too. an interesting in- experience, too, because I could tell when they were not translating exactly what I said, uh-huh. even hmm. though, you know, you could just feel it. Hmm. But it was quite an education.
1: When I looked at your last name on your website my first thought was to wonder if it it was a typo because <laughs>
3: yeah, I know <laughs>
1: it's usually spelled P I E R you you spelled it Yeah,
3: C-E-R. and my first name is E Y instead of just right. right right
1: yeah that was the other thing Thank I you mom
3: saying. and dad <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, when I typed it, Google, uh, spelling it your way, Google did an automatic correction. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, you know, I looked it up. Pierce is a, a derivation of the word Peters. And it's a Welsh, as far as I understand, the it was Perse at one time. Oh. And it, Pierce was spelled E-I, was pronounced Perse. Oh. There's a famous physicist, Charles Perse, that w- had the same spelling. Mm-hmm. Um, in America, anyway, so it's just one of those those spellings of Pierce. It's P E A R P E I P I E. You know, so you,
2: that could be a, a synchronicity of sorts for your particular path. Yeah, it is.
3: <laughs> the name very stuff. Physics, metaphysics. You know, very. You know, I don't. I guess I decided I didn't really want to be religious in this life, so I stayed away from it as a child, and then slowly discovered, you know, the universal laws.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I wanted to always, I think when I was like 13, I said to myself, well, why are wars fought over religion? This seems silly to me, that why, <laughs> What are? what's the core thing in all religions? So I'm gonna find that. Mm-hmm. And, and I wouldn't even say the word God when I was younger until I knew what it meant or I had some idea about it, which was well, a strange thing for a 13-year-old, but... <laughs> that is strange.
2: It was, what did, you, did your parents have a religion?
3: Uh, my father's father was a Baptist minister, and he was forced to go to church like three times a week or something, and he hated it. So he, when my mother tried to get me to go to church regularly because she thought I needed it, I guess um, he said, "Leave the girl alone. Let her figure it out for herself." <laughs> That's good. So, so
2: what's that- your? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, okay. As a clairvoyant, what's your take on this pandemic? I mean, is there a deeper purpose for humanity for the planet, or is this just how how the world ends?
3: <laughs> well, first of all, I think that it's. I always think there's an inner energy blueprint, right? There's, there's a non-physical reality inside the physical reality. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: You know, heaven is in the earth. It's not separate. And so, um, we have an energy body and that gives rise to our physical reality and what kind of things happen to us. So, um, so I started looking at the pandemic that way and say, what is underlying this? Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really huge global thought form about the fact that everybody sees the world as separate from them. You know, you have an inside self and then an outside world that's so huge and it's dangerous and it can do things to you and hurt you and, you know, take things away from you and so forth. and. And as the more I meditate and the more I work with spirituality, of course, I see that there is no line around me that says Mm -hmm. there's an outside world over there on the other side of the line. And instead, my, my sphere just keeps expanding and including and including and including. So I've started into this other kind of reality. It's like a different inner geometry of the way I see things but most people still feel that there's an outside world and that it's very dangerous. And I think that's the thought form that gives rise to this uncontrollable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, virus that is, that can come and get you. You know, I have a friend who had COVID and she now has PTSD because Jeez. like anything, something bad could happen to her at any time.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Uh,
3: and I, so I think that's, the kind of cause for it a bit—it's surfacing the subconscious ideas that we have not looked at very much.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But mm. I also feel that it has a very positive, strangely, um, purpose, which is to create global consciousness.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: There, yes. even nine eleven didn't do that, you know, because yeah. it was just one country. But this is universal. Uh, And and so I feel like that's doing something important. And it's also pointing out polarities and oppositions, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: highlighting those. But um, it's – and I think the other thing is it's causing us to have to go inside and to be sequestered and to look at the inner realms. And, you know, when you're alone and not distracted by lots of people – and and everything else, um, your stuff comes up, your fears, in, internal uh, patterns. It seems uh, and that you can look at them. Then
1: it seems that everyone we've interviewed over the last uh, several months so has had a similar view that there is certain advantages of the pandemic and that people can find their space. Uh, when they were quarantined, and can do things that they wouldn't normally have done, so there, advantages. There's an expansion uh, in a sense that way, and uh, that it's, uh, you know, it, there was also during the quarantine, in the early part at least, the, it was improvements in the environment around the world as well.
3: Uh huh. Yeah, and and plus everybody I talked to, like, were cleaning out their closets and, you know, cleaning up. <laughs> environments, getting rid of old stuff, making space. And I think, you know, there is this phase at the end of a cycle of creation where you go into liminal space, which is, you know, where the caterpillar becomes the butterfly and kind of melts down and recombines and comes out differently. But you have to let it have some, some space, spaciousness. Mm -hmm. When do you see this ending? (laughs) Uh, Well, I have had a strong sense about the end of next year being a tapering off point. Mm -hmm. The end of 2021. Yeah, 2021. And 2022, pretty much much, um, back in the flow. But we're Uh, always in the flow, you know, so... um, I just choose, you know, the beginning of this year, I thought it was so exciting and that, that life, I was going to expand my scope and it was going to be travel and blah, blah, blah. And then COVID hit and I'm like, wow, all my plans canceled. (laughs) And, (laughs) And yet then it's like, I started to clear, it's like my aura or something. I could like my attachment to my history, my story. But well, it's just kind of things melted away, evaporated. And I started to feel like I didn't have anything in my aura, like there was nothing around me. Hmm. It was a really strange feeling. And I didn't care uh, to, be, to market myself or to be, you know, tooting my own horn. Uh-huh. It was just got simple, really, really simple. And then I realized that, like you said, the expansion was in the inner rooms. Right. And yeah. that then will precipitate a new physical activity sooner or later.
1: Do you do readings on by phone or Zoom? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, both. And in person yeah. if, if I'm around. When I'm traveling, I do in person. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. But yeah. So, so you don't find it difficult to do with Zoom? Because it's still energy, so. Yeah,
3: yeah. There's a different... You know, in uh, just auditory, like we're doing now, it's often Mm -hmm. richer in some ways. There's a Mm -hmm. vibratory thing I can tune into that is more physical. If it's visual, there's a different kind of information. Uh Yeah. And um, I find it a little more tiring Hmm. overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mean in
2: person or Zoom?
3: No, on Zoom.
2: On Zoom. Mm -hmm. Uh Um, At the beginning of Frequency, you have this incredible quote by Michael Talbot one of my favorite writers. Uh, the convergence of mysticism and the new physics has brought us to the gateway of our humanness. Beyond lies something that is literally beyond our language. How has this new physics impacted your work?
3: Well, I think I started to talk about it, but uh, looking for the core truth in mm-hmm. any of the religions, you get you really do go down to like, well, how does consciousness work? How does energy work? Mm-hmm. And uh, and physics was really starting to, you know, jump into <laughs> the twilight zone in a way, you know, right. with, with its principles, which were so overlapping then with what I knew directly as metaphysical truth of how energy worked and how, uh, you know, principles of consciousness in physical life and non-physical reality, how they worked. And I just really... I wanted that simple truth. It didn't have a dogma about it. Mm. it. It it is evolving. Our understanding of it is always constantly expanding. So I I got fascinated with that, and then I think that fueled the way I explain things. Hmm. It's kind of a common sense thing, you know. And also, I was a designer for many years, right? And that's all about practical application of higher. You know, innovation or mm-hmm. or beauty, even um, things like that. So well, it's had a big impact on me. That's why I love love Michael Talbot too. Yeah, he he was
2: great. Yeah, I mean the holographic universe is
3: yeah it's still it's still relevant. You right. know? I just wish he hadn't died. Right, yeah, I do that. that was a yeah, loss. He
2: had a couple
1: of good books out, uh, I guess in the late '80s. Tell us about uh, what you mean by your home frequency.
3: Well, in the book Frequency, I talk a lot about how, first of all, everything vibrates, and mm-hmm. um, and we vibrate, and depending on what our emotions are like that day or our thoughts are like, you know, our frequency will go up and down and modulate, and higher frequency to me is not like um, hyperactivity, it's not mm-hmm. going fast mm-hmm. physically, it's being calm and smooth, and mm-hmm. Um, and being more pure, if you will, it's it's um, where there's not a lot of distortion or um, interference so that there's an easy flow, inflow and outflow, nothing gets in the way. And mm. you get a very high sense of truth that comes through with that. Um, so, but what happens, I think, is that we are tribal and we go out into the world and we see other people and feel them. Of course, we read people all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, some of them are depressed. Some of them are victims. Some of them are naturally happy and are entertaining themselves. Mm-hmm. And you will match, you know, frequency match
4: mm-hmm. with
3: whatever you're around, whether it's a, a room, or the store with fluorescent lights and a hum that you can't stand (laughs) and a really nice environment in a restaurant or something. Uh, So we will adapt our frequency to those levels, and then our consciousness changes to match. So we don't know who we are then. If we put our attention into the, quote, outside world and try to match something there in order to get along and feel safe and you know, not be rejected, which is really why we do this, um, then uh, we don't know who we are because we're constantly changing. But the home frequency is, to me, a vibration that's always been there. It's like the light in a baby's eyes. Mm -hmm. It's the same vibration you've had in all of your lifetimes. And it's steady. It does not change. You might evolve over time, but it's very, you know, very steady. So when you come inside yourself and you get centered and you, you really realize, hey, I'm the soul and I'm here in my body right now and I do know what I'm doing and I'm connected to all things and I feel great. Um, so that's your home frequency. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about what the difference is between the heart frequency and the brain frequency?
3: Um, well... I think that the heart has brain cells in it. You know, it has yeah. neurons in it, mm-hmm. and it is a kind of brain. But uh, the function of the heart chakra area and the heart, I suppose, the organ itself even, is um, it's the the midpoint between the above and below and the left and right. It's the sacred marriage place where things come together and you have revelation. So it is really a place of understanding uh, to me, the heart vibe is not an emotional one. It mm-hmm. is a place of very clear compassion, which has a neutral quality to it. But it has this sense of um, unity of love throughout all things. And um, it's the. it really is the place where you see that the heaven is in the earth, that they are yeah. one thing. And so it's a very fair... Uh, Kind of consciousness that comes from there,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and in the brain, you know, we have different areas of our brain, so there are different frequencies there too. You have the the midbrain and the the reptile brain and the mm-hmm. left and right hemispheres, and so they have different functions. But yeah, you know, you can certainly most of us do identify a lot with the left brain, and then yeah. think we're all very logical and we've got everything defined and all our belief <laughs> systems in place and and uh, this is who I am, you know. And and then too much of that, and and that's ego. It becomes right. narcissism. So, yep. speaking of the this heart chakra, if you take
2: somebody who lacks empathy, what what does that say about their heart chakra?
3: Well, I would say that it's closed. That it's, it's clo- okay. Uh, that it's shut down temporarily because somebody hurt them at some point and they decided in their left brain that it's not safe to be too open.
1: The reason that uh, I asked about the heart uh, frequency is that your description of the home frequency sounds a lot like heart resonance, this Mm -hmm. term that's being used now that is uh, creating this centering, this peacefulness uh, that, you know, it, it seems that that's you know a source that the the heart is really becoming seen as more important than the brain
3: well it is a kind of brain yeah it's a different frequency of brain let's call it and i think that it gives us a each each chakra for instance is a kind of knowing of the self it's a, it's a slice of reality where we hmm. understand life through survival and animal consciousness or through the heart, which would be understanding of compassion that's in all things and the, the perfect fit of how everything works together. There's that great understanding that comes from the heart and it, it's totally enlightening. And then as you move up toward the head centers, you get higher knowledge and higher wisdom and the experience of what it's actually like to be in non-physical reality in the spiritual world. You know, um, and they're not good or bad. They're all parts of the totality. You know, did now in, in previous lives, have you had
2: any inklings about your previous lives, whether you were doing this kind of work before?
3: <laughs> yes, I, I've had. <laughs> luckily, when I was quite young, before even the Internet or anything, before I was even doing this work, I was told by a number of mediums about very sp- specific past lives, which I could find. I found them in dictionaries in the library. And Really? Yeah. Uh, and it was, uh, this one particular person read the Akashic records in such a way that it was like she was reading out of an encyclopedia. Hmm. Your name was, you were born, you did this, you wrote these books, gave me all the titles of the books wow. I wrote in my other lives. Yeah. So I know in my very last life, I was a minister in New York city and, uh, Kind of a crusader, and I took on the Tammany Hall corruption and got it changed. And uh, before that, I was a woman writer, and uh, it seems like there was always a lot of involvement with Christianity for at least the recent past lives. So maybe that's why I didn't want to be a
2: right. go go to church
3: <laughs> this time around. You've <laughs> already done that. <laughs> Take a break. I don't get caught in that again and get the bigger view. You know. What well, um, um, yeah. did you find
2: any of your books?
3: Yes, I have them. Now, and they're just like, if I had write, written them now, like one of them was The Sunny Side of Christianity. Well, I would <laughs> write that now, you know, it's like,
4: um,
3: yeah. So, uh, yes, and and the poetry that I wrote in The Woman's Life, I've quoted in my uh-huh. own books. I've, in fact, I've quoted both of them. <laughs> no one knows That's... they're my past lives. What? <laughs> what, about,
1: what about parallel lives? Do you think we have parallel lives as well? <clears throat> Absolutely.
3: Is- in fact, uh-huh. I've had dreams where, in one dream, I was taken by these beings and set down at a little patio table next to another little patio table. And there was a young man sitting there and they told me, well, you're, it's okay for you to know this now.
4: Hmm. And
3: that he was one of my parallel lives that was alive now. And he was an architect in Los Angeles. And, um, he, they told me he had died in a fire in oh. a past life. And I have a very weak feeling about having died in a fire. It wasn't like a trauma, but -hmm. it was still in there. And um, other things that I could see the parallels that he was doing that and I was not doing it or I was helping him get over it by me not having that thing. And I don't know his name or anything, but he was alive at the same time. A, Hmm. A lot of
1: people who are alive now and get past life readings often seem to have connections with Atlantis. Uh, Did you have, have you come across anything like that?
3: Yes,
2: (laughs)
1: very
3: (laughs) strongly. And a lot in Egypt. Uh Hmm. Egypt and Atlantis.
2: Well, what really happened in Atlantis? Did it really, I mean, why did it sink?
3: (laughs) Well, you know, I'm not sure, but I think it really had a lot to do with the energy experiments that they were doing. Mm -hmm. And... um, it was just getting too dangerous, you know, and inhuman. And uh, hmm. so I think that it, it just went down. I don't know whether it was a nuclear thing or whatever, but it... Oh.
1: Yeah, there, there's, you know, legends or, or myths about Atlantis that always talk about this huge crystal that was a source of energy and that uh, it uh, it exploded, and that was the the downfall. It was similar to a, a nuclear... Uh, explosion.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It I, it feels like it's an energetic thing to me, and I do have um, memories of a very large crystal, but it's like down in the earth or something. I always go down to go into this room where it is. and uh, But, yeah, we you know when I first started opening up, that's all that happened was esoteric stuff. <laughs> you know what? I was, like, yeah. getting downloads yeah. of this, and then I... Just started to get a little more grounded and said, "Well, I've got to communicate this, um, you know, practically somehow." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But yeah, now, that, what does I've your family? Had, think? So, so many visionary dreams and um, uh, guidance dreams, and often ones that would wait like twenty something years before I understood what they meant. Hmm. But what does your
2: family think of this?
3: Uh. I'm k- kind of the black sheep I guess. I don't think anyone <laughs> in my family has read any of my books or um you know and uh, the, the, my uh, sister and her husband are both PhDs. He's a physician, she's a nutritionist and they said to me, "Well, Penny, we read all the same books you do, but we don't know what chakras are," you know, and stuff <laughs> like that. Anyway, um uh, so I just, you know, let it doesn't matter. It's um yeah, but they, they don't I I yeah, I'm a black sheep, I guess.
1: <laughs> so, as an empath, how do you receive information? Do you feel things physically, or do they come in visions or hunches? Sounds so- like she's all over
2: the place. Oh.
3: Well, it it comes for different things, different ways. A mm-hmm. lot of times, I will have almost like um, a physical impression, like a tempurpedic mattress. You know, like something comes in and presses on me and registers. Like uh, if I'm sitting actually with a person, one mm-hmm. time I, I had this angina feeling that I didn't know what it was, and I described it. She she's "Oh yeah, I have angina," and then as soon as I said it, it dissolved. Uh-huh. It was like, a, yeah, an impression really, but right. it was a physical impression of a something. Um, other times, I I think I merge into the whole pattern of the person's life, hmm. the the energetic blueprint. And then that becomes mine for that moment. And I understand it from the inside. And then I can describe the process of how something came about, what it's like, where it might be going, how to shift it, what the purpose is, blah, blah, blah. And Ooh. But it's all there at once. And then the trick is trying to slow down and untangle it, you know, and let it spew out, you know, wow. in a, a logical way.
4: Hmm.
3: Yeah. But so, so, and sometimes it's visual. Like if people say, Well, where am I going to move? I'll be up above the earth flying around and getting drawn into
1: different <laughs> cities. That's yeah, interesting. That is. Have you ever worked with police, like psychic detective work?
3: No, but I love those kind of shows. I could have probably been a profiler. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. enjoy that a lot.
1: Um, well, some people just, uh, I think. Are uh, find that a little too intense uh, when you're dealing with murderers. We've had a friend who is yeah. a psychic who is, uh, you know, she lived a kind of paranoid life because uh, she felt that people were uh, been in prison or coming after her.
3: Yeah, and well, even if that didn't happen, just being merged with those patterns, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, is, is hard to. Um, you might attract something. Hard to stay in your home frequency sometimes. <laughs> I yeah. Think. Right.
2: Um, you had one story that really shocked me, um, and it involved your reading with an astrologer.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: To me, what, what that woman said really violates a code code of ethics. So, can you tell us how how you handled that reading? What what the details? Well, were? Well, uh,
3: the person told me that oh, I would I was never going to marry, and my mother was going to die, and all these you know these kind of dire things and. Um, you know, like I'll always be alone. And all this I, I, after it was over, I just sat there and I just cried and I was like, Oh my God. And then I went, wait a minute, this is my life, you know? And, um, and but what I did was I had this kind of vision. I don't know if you're, you've, you've seen probably those little kind of lime green lights that, that, uh, like a grid that models a like skull or a person's right, body, right. whatever, you know? And, um, and I saw that kind of lime green grid going out in front of me like uh, a roadway or a pattern. And uh, if I believed what that person told me, it looked one way. Hmm. And then if I tilted my head like one degree and I looked at it from one degree off, it totally shifted. Huh. And then it shifted. If I went back to the other way, the negative way, it shifted back to that other reality. Then the other. And so here was the, you know, I, I really got it that that inner energy blueprint of the, the thoughts I hold and the fears I would hold about this uh, would, you know, structure that grid. And so I decided I'm just not going to structure that grid. And my mom <laughs> would be 93. You know, she <laughs> cured right. herself of four kinds of cancer, and <clears throat> wow. she was amazing. Hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, I I think you have to be careful, especially when people are predicting for you. Right. Uh, and I don't do that. I I talk about processes, and if this follows, and there's a probable sequencing, and mm-hmm. but likely you'll you know this is. There's these potentials here, you know.
2: So it's about choice and about
3: yes, your thoughts about and choice.
1: And what about synchronicity? Have uh, has that played a role
3: in your life? Oh, a total role. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, part of it is learning to trust what appears and engage with what is arising in the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, and often. The synchronicities, I just call it now, I just call it self-entertainment because it's like, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> like I'm That's amusing myself with showing things and then noticing that it has that kind of vibe to it. You know, like, oh, this is one of those little <laughs> clues, you know, like right? Uh, or, uh, oh, you know, looking at the digital clock and it's my birthday and I go, yeah. oh, OK, I'm I'm being born right now again. Right. Uh, and and then I do it all the time, so I must like it, you know. So I see my birthday all the time on the clock, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think um, it's it's a guidepost, right? You have to. It has to get your attention in some right. way first. Right. Then you start noticing more ordinary things that aren't as dramatic, mm-hmm.
1: too. Yeah, we had an experience recently where somebody sent us an email that was a very dramatic event in her life, and then watching television not too long after that, <laughs> the event was repeated in this television yeah. show.
3: Oh, <laughs> I mean, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love those things. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: what types of activities do you suggest for people who would like to develop their intuition? I mean, I realize that's a general question. but Well,
3: <laughs> I mean, I think the simplest first step is to take time to be quiet um, because most of the time when we're awake, we're in our left brain and that means we're in language.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Left brain is language oriented. So even if we're not talking like we're doing now, our little inner voice is yakking away at us or complaining <clears throat> or, or you know, criticizing or something. And so you have to stop the internal dialogue. And then take—I mean, it could be a minute. It could be five minutes. Whatever, just get quiet. And every time the voice comes back, just blank out again.
4: Hmm.
3: And I always picture um, that I'm floating in a big dark, like blue, black, purpley, velvety space that absorbs all the stuff that I don't need, and it dissolves it out into the huh. divine feminine or whatever. And then I—it helps me be quiet. And as soon as you really can be like that, you're in your right brain or you're in your heart mm-hmm. or your body or your field, um, you're, it's almost like a cleansing. And then the next thoughts that come to you after you've been quiet for quite a while will come more authentically from the soul, you know, from the higher knowledge. But you can't get your intuition unless you know how to be quiet.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things I like about uh, your book, Frequency, is that you have a lot of exercises yeah. in there for people to follow, To and a lot of them are related to uh, different methods of meditation. You have one there where you imagine that like you have a little diamond uh, that's in your forehead or
3: uh-huh, brain, Center of your you head. Start, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: center of your head, and you start moving it around your body as a way of focusing.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, diamond light is a very powerful... You- Thing. It
1: gives you, yeah. Just because most people have difficulty, just okay. I'm going to quiet my mind now. That lasts <laughs> about two seconds, you know, and uh, you know, and we start uh, we start thinking again. And so, if if you have some kind of focus to bring you down, mm-hmm. you know, like that little diamond, I think that mm-hmm. helps. And focus. If and you body. hold
3: that that little opening in the center of your brain and imagine diamond light coming out from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, And just feel it. You have to make meditations tactile, I think.
4: Mm -hmm. And
3: in some way where you have a felt sense of something. That's why I say a big blue, black, purple, velvety space. I can feel that. And then I can feel how it's so absorbing of everything extraneous. But the diamond light in the center of the head is a focal point right between the pituitary and pineal gland. Where if Mm. you just go into that space it clears your mind. It clears your consciousness and it raises your frequency to a higher level. And it is a thing you can focus on, you know?
2: I like this image of the velvety space. Part of my problem with meditation is just, you know, you're just supposed to sit there and shut your eyes and not think. But making a tactile like that, to me, I think would make it more, make it easier to do.
3: Well, when you're trying to meditate where where the left brain is bossing you around. Yeah, (laughs) right. Now you must be quiet. Now you must close your eyes. You know, I always rebel against authority, even my own internalized authority. And um, so what I've learned to do is give myself an image that my body loves, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: um, that feels really, really good. And then I can sink into it and relax and... And it's not a chore to meditate. Then it's, mm-hmm. and I don't even call it meditating. I just, you know, be quiet. And uh, and and then sometimes I do. I guide myself, or I ask myself things after I've gotten quiet, and I write or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I, I get information. But um, but just being, without um, having to do no uh, <laughs> act, just for a little bit. It's, and without being asleep. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's easy. Yeah. I tend to drift off into sleep pretty easily, and it's kind of, kind of going back and forth, and uh, right. these images. Right. I, even uh, you know, sometimes I just move down my body, starting uh, like with a foot, and working up my leg, and then I get to one leg, and then I find, realize that. I, my mind is off somewhere else. and I didn't even <laughs> yep. get to the second leg. <laughs>
3: right, right. <laughs> well, I forget where, where I read. Maybe it's in Buddhist meditating or something. But there's um, the, the too high frequency mind, which is the, you know, restless mind that's jumping around and, and not able to focus. And then there's the low somewhere. frequency mind, which is where you fall asleep.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's
3: a place in between and sometimes I think it has to do with posture. And if you keep your head level and mm-hmm. you keep your shoulders and your chest wide and you're breathing uh, and you stay kind of conscious, but not like overactive. Do you know uh-huh. what I mean? It's like yeah. there's this nice middle state.
1: Yeah, I think the, the, the active mind uh, that comes up when you meditate, I think uh, the Buddhists uh, call that the monkey mind. <laughs> hmm mm-hmm. Yep. So so mystics are saying that humanity is moving towards a higher vibration now, towards enlightenment, a higher state of being uh, where we can eventually actually move in and out of our physical bodies, travel between dimensions and through the cosmos. You know, this is about enlightenment. Uh, but, but if you look at the d- dysfunction in the world where there's so much disagreement on what is real, what is the truth, and uh, the apparent willingness of millions uh, of people to believe in- Outrageous uh, conspiracies. uh, Yeah, conspiracies. How can we be moving towards enlightenment? It it doesn't, it seems contradictory.
3: First of all, I think it's a matter of each person at a time and you being responsible for your own life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, we underestimate the power of one very clear person to um, exert a kind of a non-directed influence in through the field of energy, through the the inner realms, that it attracts other people to say, "What are they doing? That feels interesting. Uh, like I think I'll try to find out about that." You know. Um, so as you clear yourself and. You know, to me, enlightenment is really like you realize I am the soul. Spirit is inside matter. They're not separate. I'm not separate from anything. Mm-hmm. and you become you trust and you become transparent and open and and uh, you don't hold on to things. You can focus and choose things, but then you let go after you're finished and you are open again, and that's the physical world, right? It's like uh-huh. And no form, and form, and no form, and oscillation, Um, and so I think enlightenment is a like a deeply comfortable way of living. (laughs) It's not like some (laughs) holier than thou thing. It's getting rid of your clutter, of your your Mm. interfering ideas Mm -hmm. that cause you to worry and doubt and panic and contract, and uh, you know need need conspiracy theories. (laughs) Yeah. To explain reality to you, and to have to be polarized against something in order to feel yourself. Um, so, one person at a time. Be responsible for your own reality. Share what you can. Don't try to rescue people, but mm. a, but offer. You know, be an offering yourself to to the the world, the field.
2: Yeah. See, we we've been trying to figure out how. This is about Trump, and I I don't understand how such a divisive figure. i I'm just this is wordless for me. I mean
3: I just I just don't get it. I think it's part of the clearing process, just like COVID is, and that we are in a process now of this acceleration on the planet. The frequency's gotten so high that the subconscious mind can't keep all of its suppressed fears in place anymore. It's like it's going up in frequency and those fears are popping up to the surface into the conscious mind for in individuals. Uh-huh. And we don't want to face those awful experiences. So we try to push them back down again or avoid them and get distracted or project them onto somebody else, you mm-hmm. know, and, and there's a lot of that going on because not only are our own fears coming up, but everybody else's around us. A collective us. fear. A collective. And we're uh-huh. swimming around in this sea of... Sort of a chaotic, psychic vibe, really. Mm -hmm. You know what's under the surface? It's flotsam and jetsam floating around. (laughs) You know, and so, so, um, I there's a process of clearing that subconscious mind that's underway today, where people are getting very clear and they're understanding how to uh, dissolve their fear and understand things and open their heart and And become their home frequency, if you will. Uh, And then there are other people who just are only seeing life as a physical world and -hmm. that all solutions are physical, all problems are physical, and you have to work on them in the physical world. And so they don't understand how the inner energy reality can fix things in an instant rather than having to work it all out in time and space. Hmm. And so this is a long explanation, but but um, so, so, but then I feel like we get people like President Trump and Mm. uh, who say, look, I'll do this for you. And uh, and I will reinforce your values about violence or about um, Mm -hmm. being afraid of immigrants or about, you know, whatever. Um, And and it's like, oh, good, somebody's going to do it for us. Uh huh. And there's, so there's a a segment of people who are, that feels very reassuring, you know, and of course with QAnon, he's the Messiah kind of, you know, he's, Uh he's the one that's going to save everybody. Um, And, um, but he, in four years, he has done an amazing thing of bringing the understanding of how the ego functions up into the surface of everybody's mind. And that is how um, instead of ego you know facing you know its own fear and letting go, mm-hmm. which we would call ego death, um, and turning it over to the soul that really does know what's going on, the ego goes through the death throes. And if you hmm. watch President Trump, he has done every single possible maneuver that the ego can come up with. Mm-hmm. every clever manipulation, every lie, every distraction. And if you're watching, it's a real education, you know, and um, he's a good point. He's very, he's a hurt human being, do you know? And not that I, but I think four years was enough. We didn't need <laughs> another four years of it. We got the point. At least a lot of us did. Yeah. Now there'll be, hopefully a, there's going to be some chaos in this, this overall transition that'll probably go for a while longer and maybe even into next year. Um, but it's going to calm down, and yeah. then a lot of the people who were um, really angry and violent, and uh, I think will kind of lose their impetus there, and they'll kind of rethink some things.
2: Hmm. Uh, so a different kind of cleaning for them, cleansing. Right. And
3: so you know, you sometimes you need somebody that will precipitate the negative. Like Hitler, probably was the same. Boy. Right. He, all stuff that was in the deep subconscious levels of cultures.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And so is this, you know, administration. And uh, but I think it's necessary, but I don't think that it needs to be uh, reinforced constantly okay. with how great it is. It's mm-hmm. like it needs, In it, I think what's going to happen is it's like shooting itself in the foot. It cannot continue to survive in the level of of acceleration and the high level frequencies that are coming mm-hmm. on the planet now. We're going to start to see all those methodologies as so antiquated and stupid and slow and wow. they just don't work. and a lo- as young people come in with their already very high frequency souls and minds, they're not going to buy this stuff, <laughs> you know, they're yeah. going to reinvent everything.
1: What's and, been puzzling, yeah, what's been puzzling, uh, uh, sorry, but what's been puzzling to me is that uh one of the groups of people who are very supportive of the president are religious people and it seems to be contradictory uh so uh in that sense is really do you think religion is helping or hindering our spiritual evolution
3: well that's a couple questions there yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> uh i in ter- in terms of the it it almost feels like a kind of blindness in the the people who are supporting the administration, who are mm-hmm. fundamentalist in 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 their religious views. Mm-hmm. They are actually not acknowledging the fact that Trump is anti-religion and mm-hmm. doesn't have really a sense of divinity in him at all. Uh, and and but it's that must be that they feel he's supporting them in some other way. Mm-hmm. You know that I wonder um, how. I mean, well, in 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 some their financial values or their survival sense uh-huh. or, um, you know,
2: not a religious sense of that
3: word. But, yeah, but there's no clarity there. I was thinking, like, if Jesus were here, what would he say? You know, like, like, right. come on, take <laughs> him away. And
1: he, he's also right. a, a but,
3: uh, Yeah. Anyway, um, no, I mean, see, I'm not against anything, but I think. My, for myself you know i've been in religion and i i feel like what originally caused different spiritual points of view in different kinds of cultures around the world was a universal sense of almost like the golden rule if if you uh-huh. will and and then the cultures shaped it differently but then the priesthoods got in the way you know mm-hmm. and then they say well we are the ones who can tell right. you what god thinks for you <laughs> And at at that point, you know, it took away our own mystical connection and direct connection with the soul, with the divine. And we had to go through intermediaries. And then there was like rules and dogmas. And and to me, that just slowed the frequency down of the actual truth. Uh So, But for people who who don't have a lot of um, higher consciousness at the moment, it's a pa- it's a stepping stone it's yeah. a st- it's like a stairway mm-hmm. and they go through a, you know understanding of principles and practices and disciplines and so forth that i think is useful mm-hmm. but at a certain point you're done with it yeah and you move on into the more abstract or the more mystical that mm-hmm. doesn't have the structure
4: yeah so-
1: can What's throw, the difference between? I, oh, hold on, John. Can I throw John, something better, in real quick?
5: Uh, birds. sure, yeah, because kind of going back to uh, I think earlier mentioned uh, uh, how physics had kind of uh, straight or whatever is kind of overlapping itself and everything. And I'm, I'm assuming you're thinking about maybe getting to quantum physics and that kind of thing, but right. but uh, but I've been saying for years, you know, physicists are are actively looking for the unified field equation, which Mm -hmm. most of them believe is an equation that's about one inch long (laughs) that will explain (laughs) everything. But we've had, I'm sorry, go ahead.
3: And the God particle. Right. Yeah.
5: Right. And looking for the mind of God. Right. And, and, but I feel like, uh, but I, but I felt like for, for years I've felt like, well, we've morally, morally we've had that one inch equation for quite some time, and it is treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Bingo, yeah. You know?
2: so. Be kind.
3: That's yeah. right. I, I think there was a quote from my past life uh, as the minister where he said, "We pray together on Sundays and pray on each other the rest of the week." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Boy, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> now, yeah your that,
5: that's that's not now. following the golden rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah
3: <so>. that's right. <laughs> so, are your previous lives books still in print? Uh, yeah. Well, not popularly. You know, they're yeah. old, old style. They're from in the early 1900s for that one. And yeah, but there's some really good quotes in them. You know, that <laughs> that are nice. That's so
1: cool. uh, one other question: What's the difference between enlightenment and ascension?
4: Hmm.
3: Well, I think um, you know, enlightenment is is a a function of the the physical realm of the personality Mm
4: -hmm.
3: where you are remembering yourself as a soul. You're remembering how spirit actually functions and that it is in the physical world and that the physical world can function according to those principles. If we allow it and see it. And especially if several enlightened people get together, then there can be an amazing kind of, of effortless creativity Mm -hmm. and so forth. I think it has a lot to do with our evolution in the physical world, back into memory of what's really true. Mm
4: -hmm. Uh,
3: Ascension, uh, I think, has a lot to do with the idea that you can uh, materialize and dematerialize anything through the power of your own attention. Hmm. What you place attention on and keep connected with will materialize. It will drop down in frequency, and come into the physical plane in terms of molecules and form. And if you take attention out of something, really get bored with it, it it will dissolve and go Um. back into the unified field.
2: Mm. So you get what you focus on.
3: So ascension to me is that you take attention out of one physical form that you're in, uh, and you could teleport and come back in somewhere else, or you could just go physically dissolve and go into a higher realm. Huh. You, uh, I don't know. That's, that's the way I understand it. It's yeah. probably related a lot to time travel.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a Buddhist uh, saying that goes this way. Before I was enlightened, I chopped wood and carried water. After I became enlightened, I chopped wood, wood and, and carried, carried water. water.
3: That's right. But I had a good time doing it. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: That's funny. I have a question. Um, what What is your take on our, our domestic pets, dogs, cats? I mean, do they have past lives also?
3: My take on animals um, is that I do not think they have individual souls. Um, I sense that they are part of collective species kind of soul group. Um, So I know that goes against a lot of people want their animals to be just like them. And it's kind of anthropomorphizing them. But I I do feel that they, they come and go easily. Uh, They may take on, you know, personality traits or Mm. certain physical things, but I don't think they have individual souls, Mm. but that's just me. The, um,
2: What's what's their purpose?
3: Well, it's just like, uh, what's trees' purpose? You know, uh-huh. what's, okay. what's an insect's yeah. purpose? It's like it, so. life coming into, out of the non-physical realms, into the physical in order to evolve through levels of consciousness.
2: Mm-hmm. So the same as people, really.
3: Right, right. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, okay. Wow, well, this has been... Yeah, this has been I interesting. I have a million more questions <laughs> for you, but... <laughs> Mm-hmm. This has been great. It's been great talking to you, Penny. Well, it's fun to uh, have
3: the variety of stuff that you guys asked. Yeah, throw, throw a... we, threw, we threw the kitchen sink at <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah, so, this,
2: is, this is really great. So and what, we appreciate your time. And, yeah. and so let, let people know about your newest books, your, whatever projects you're working on, your website, how they can get in touch with you.
3: Yeah. Well, of course, the, the last book is called Transparency. Um, and it is about... I think the subtitle, seeing through to our expanded human capacity so mm-hmm. that, you know, when you do clear yourself, all kinds of things become normal <laughs> that we oh. thought were supernatural. <laughs> um, and so that's the latest one. But I'm starting work on another book now, actually, and I am i can't talk about it at the moment. But, and I've got several of them lined up like planes waiting to land that I just oh, yeah, <laughs> cool. want to get at it. Um, you know, there's pressure.
1: from them. What brought you to Florida from uh, California? uh...
3: Yeah. Uh, My mother was getting sick and um, she had COPD and I I said she had survived four kinds of cancer and and it all just lined up. I finished the last word of Leap of Perception and I was sitting there looking at the thing and I burst into tears at the last word and a voice in my head said, "You're done," and I went, "What am I going to die now? Or like, what? What is that?" And they <laughs> and said, "No. Basically, you've just finished uh, this contract you had to write these books on transformation. It wasn't hmm. like I had to." And they explained it was because I wanted to. I asked to do it, mm-hmm. and I had hmm. finished it at this point, and um, and now I could do whatever I wanted, kind of. Huh. At that. Like five days later, I got a call from the landlord of this house I'd been renting for twenty-some years, saying they were selling the house and I was gonna Come have on. to leave. And <laughs> uh, it was and then, you know, I realized, oh, shall I go to one of the c- cool places like Boulder or Santa Fe or Ashland, <laughs> Oregon something? And uh, no, no, no. Florida, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I went, okay. <laughs> It's been a, a strange ride, and, but very good that I came here to develop more compassion, actually, All to right. be with my mother and her, her husband, my stepfather, who is now 102, and really seeing older people's lives and how amazing they are. And, hmm. um, and it, it yeah, it's, it's been very, very interesting. It's like, well, you you know, in, in San Francisco, it's easy to be spiritual, Because Uh everybody's like you there, kind of. Uh, But here, you know, it's a little more challenging. And (laughs) I had needed to see that I can do it anywhere, you know, Mm -hmm. no matter what. Just hold your home frequency. You're not that far from Casadega. (laughs) No, I know. It's a different vibe than me, though, but it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah.
2: Okay. All Uh, right. right. Thank you very much. Well, it's great. Thank Thank you so much. And we'll send you a link when it goes up, which, John, is that like two weeks? Okay. um, yeah.
5: it, it will, yeah, yeah, d- you yeah, know, not this, not this come, not a week from today, but I think week after that, yeah. Okay,
3: okay, okay. super. All, All right, good. thank All you. Right. Get to see on
2: those books. <laughs> I will, I will, right <laughs> okay. now. Take care, <laughs> okay. Okay. Appreciate it. bye. Bye. You dogs were good, yeah. Dogs
1: were good. Better <laughs> to have five dogs than yeah. two. <laughs>